What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Founder Hour After Hours. I'm your co-host, Pat. I'm Posh. We're coming to you from where it all started, pretty much. Well, yeah. sort of. My garage. City. But city. not the same garage. Different garage. Different garage. My garage. Different garage, same city, different mics, same people. Hanging out. It's a rainy day in LA. Is it raining? Yeah, it's raining outside. Oh. <laughs> uh, it already. Watching some football. College foot. College football. So it's Saturday, for the record. And uh, this is the after hours where we kind of riff off and talk about random stuff, what's on our minds, what's going on in the world, uh, and some questions that you guys send us. So thank you for that. Yep. Posh, what we got on the menu? Well, I got some random bots that are answering the question, man, and kind of sick. Yeah, of yeah. Let's talk about these Instagram bots. What the hell? I mean, now they've moved on to. So like- Instagram bots started off with the likes and the comments if you guys yeah. remember like these stupid comments that they would post like fantastic where you know it doesn't yeah. make sense um now they've moved on to instagram story mm-hmm. not even instagram stories instagram story question stickers and polls and polls so it's kind of annoying yeah kind of so the data skewed guys just just so yeah. you know so so ask us <laughs> real questions um yeah so what do we got so um, some of the things that we're going to be talking about today and covering are the honey, honey company that got big. acquired by PayPal. Very big. Um, we had Ryan, the co-founder of honey on our show last year. It was probably like episode number 18. Yeah. March of 2018, probably March, April, something, something like something that. Like, yeah. Something along those lines. Um, great guy. Um, so we'll talk about that acquisition. Uh, a couple of people asked us to talk about the future of USC football. Okay. Um, and we'll, what we're going to do is we're going to try to connect. Yeah, we're going to try to connect um, Big side. the USC football situation to business. So that's going to be an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an interesting dream. I'll touch upon that a little bit. Uh, one of our users, one of our users, one of our fans, <laughs> one of our users. It's like we're an app here or something. <laughs> one of our listeners asked us to talk about how to get funding or capital to start a new business and how the generation before us did it, and how you could do it now. And then we'll finish this off with some deep thoughts inspired by uh, one of our former guests, Ashley Merrill, and we'll answer a deep thought question. So stay tuned for that, because it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, But anyways, let's kick it off with the Honey PayPal acquisition. Pat, why don't you talk about um, kind of the background, how that happened, and then we'll dive into it. Yeah, so this was like early founder hour days. Um, I think we cold emailed uh, George, who's Ryan's co-founder. Yeah. And George, such a nice guy. He's like, well, I think Ryan has a better story to tell. So he connected us with Ryan. We made that happen. And uh, we were expecting, I think we, you know, if, if you don't know Honey, Honey's pretty much started off as a Chrome extension that you basically uh, um, install on Chrome, the browser. And basically what it does is when you're shopping online and you go to like your cart, when you add something to your cart and you can click on the Honey button and it'll basically scour the web and find uh, coupon codes that it auto applies and you basically save money. Like I think I, I was telling you, I saved like $200 off of a $300 Patagonia cart one right. time. Some, crazy. Some, something crazy like that. Yeah. And that's pretty rare, but, but yeah. it happens here and there. Uh, but now they've like moved on to a bunch of other things and they're, you know, they're still very much operating the same way. And so back then, you know, we were kind of like expecting, I think I, I was expecting mm-hmm. like a few people, you know, mm-hmm. like a nice little lean team. I mean, walk into this office and there's like, I don't know what, like 200 people, 300 people. Yeah. At least sitting in this big open 
layout layout yeah. office and we were just like blown away and mm-hmm. i think we asked ryan like what does everyone do here and he's like most of these most of these folks are engineers yeah and they had an off-site sales team i think yeah. um but yeah it was like from that day we were like this is interesting like we weren't expecting it to be as big of a team and probably as big and successful as they were but it was really crazy learning about um ryan and how um he he was pretty much a tinker his whole life yeah. and basically made this thing overnight i think he was um unemployed at the time i think i can't remember i, can't remember. I think he had gotten he was working at the la times gotten laid off and he was at home and he was uh wanting he was buying pizza online ordering pizza online and he was trying to see if he could potentially save a dollar without having to do anything yeah. and so he coded this thing overnight literally and uh most of it is still the same right uh, the way it works functionally but yeah and i think what yeah. it is the way they describe it is Honey earns their commission from stores when the customers use its platform to make a purchase. Mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to solve is that cart issue. Uh, you remember you were talking about that when people yes when cart cart leave, abandonment abandonment yeah, when you leave like an item in your cart or yep. whatever. So big they, part of the funnel. Yeah, marketing so funnel. they help brands and these companies actually solve that problem. So it's it, genius. It really is, and, and, and they think, work with these brands now, like right. in a, an affiliate marketing way, right. where they'll, uh, yeah. you know, share the co- like the co- the brands will share the code, and it'll be a good way for people to right. And I'm sure that the model is going to change a little bit now that PayPal acquired them. Did we see how much they acquired them for? Four billion dollars. Yeah, billion with a B. Yeah, that's four times Instagram. Yeah, and that's PayPal's biggest. Acquisition I'm still shocked. Ever. It's, it's a huge acquisition. It's probably one of the biggest tech acquisitions in LA. Yeah, in LA. Uh, and, and all time. I think yeah. like top 25. Yeah. I think I was... I was so the yeah. day we found out, I think it was like... Um, it wasn't too long ago. It was like a week and a half or so ago. Yeah. Um, there was a Twitter like... I mean, it broke on Twitter. You just texted me saying, did you hear the news? And yeah. I was like, what? Did we did, did we go viral? Like, yeah. And he's like, well, sort of. Uh, Honey just got acquired. And I think, we, I think we're still the only podcast yeah. Ryan's been on. Yeah, so yeah, our episode's was, blown up. Yeah, and it was like you early, it, early on. Like we're at like 120 plus episodes now. So he was in the first 18. Yeah, first um, and so what we did was we were literally like spamming the shit on Twitter yeah. of everyone who was tweeting about the Honey acquisition. Every venture capitalist, every other investor, every other founder that was talking about, oh, Honey, Honey got acquired. Honey got acquired. People about Honey. Literally it was, it was, was a, going it was a really like, hey, good story. check out the yeah. story. After I, I went back and listened yeah, to it again and, and it was really good. It was, a really, it was good really good. It was really good. And Ryan's Ryan, just Ryan. a very intelligent yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking back, am I surprised that they got acquired by PayPal? No. Am I surprised they got acquired for $4 billion? Yes. <laughs> I truly am uh, yeah. surprised that they got acquired for $4 billion. That's, I mean, a, that, that's a big valuation. Yeah, the way I cut it, the way I break it down is it's $999 million times four and more plus four million. Yeah. So it's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. Like a lot of millionaires were made that day, potentially billionaires for the co-founders. They probably became billionaires. Um, and they're probably going to make more money being PayPal yeah. stockholders and shareholders now. That's amazing, so man. I'm really excited to see where they're going. And I mean, it's just proof that such a simple idea, you know, can go this far, you know, and, and, it's just proof that a good product that's making people better off, yeah, and and really, it, it, you know, it's it's really like creating this sense of happiness <laughs> right. when you're like buying something and you're saving money. That's, that's awesome. Like, who doesn't right. want to save money? And so when you're creating that feeling, um, there's there's a lot of value attached to that, and 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 also data. Like, they're a data company, and that's probably the biggest reason why PayPal paid so much. It's like, right. you know, they could they could have gone and probably mimicked what they're doing and copied exactly what it is and and all that stuff. But over time, Honey's done a great job of of getting data in terms of 
what people are you know purchasing and consumer data and that, that kind of stuff that paypal can really have a big use for right. um and maybe even like i don't know we'll see maybe i mean paypal owns venmo right. so if Ven, Ven, you're using venmo to check out at some point and right. that kind of it could be crazy. yeah i think i mean i had read somewhere that they're going to definitely change up the business model uh for honey a little bit because i mean paypal like god knows what they're going to do with it but regardless, I'm, I'm pretty certain that they are rehiring all the engineers from Honey to be working at PayPal. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just call it Honey still. It's probably going to be called Honey. Um, but it's probably going to be yeah. having a little bit of a different model, which is fine. But also at the same time, like to go off what we were saying, you know, they do a great job of solving a problem for the brands and these companies, but also at the same time having a strong you know, benefit to the end consumer. Yeah. And I think that's something that it's very difficult for companies to do. They figured out affiliate marketing is what they did. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And I think initially what he was doing was scouring the web actually and, and finding codes. And then at some point, either they started hitting up the brands or the brand started hitting them up and saying like, what the hell? And then they started working together and now right. it's a an actual, it's a real business. For sure. Know? For sure. Yeah. So definitely, we're definitely excited about that. And uh, we saw a lot of interest from, you know, people that were listening to our episode. Um, you know, we we track which episodes do well, and um, Honey's or Ryan's episode wasn't in our top ten. It was one of the ones that also were earlier on, so we had less subscribers and less listeners. Literally in less than a week, it's on pace to be number five. Yeah, it's now? literally number yeah. six now. So, yeah. um, you know, people are con- definitely listening, um, and a lot of people are listening on our website. By the way, just wanted to have a quick plug for our website. Like, you know, our website is like fully built out, so you could literally listen to every single episode on there. There's some extra content in terms of pictures and just other texts that you can read as well. Um, and definitely subscribe as well because when we did uh, find out about this acquisition, we sent an email to all our uh, to, to all our email subscribers about the acquisition and also you know plugged in the episode as well. So we'll be doing a lot more of that uh, as our listener base continues to grow on a daily basis. So definitely check that out, www.thefounderhour.com and subscribe to our newsletter um, as well. Um, but yeah, anything else on the honey topic, Pat? No. Um, just pow- the pot power, of gold. Power to honey. Pot of gold. Yeah. Um, okay. Power to honey. We'll move on to a topic that is a little emotional for us: the future of USC football. Uh, so, oh, there's a future. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> so, for those that don't know, Pat and I both went to USC. We met there, graduated in 2014. Um, when we were there, it was the beginning of the fall of the USC football program. Yep. Um, and we're not going to get into really the football side of things because I know a lot of you probably don't care. Uh, but what we do want to talk about is how the university went from such an elite level of college football and being known for that to not being known at all for that and really suffering. And I think it's something that applies to businesses and organizations in general is how quickly you can lose relevance yeah. in a certain thing if you're not making the right moves and you're not staying consistent with your strategy, with your game plan and executing on that property. Right. I think USC's football team really fell short there, and we're seeing, you know, what's happening now. And I think that, the, you know, what we discuss is something that you can keep in mind for the companies that you work for, the companies that you're building, or, you know, the companies that you want to build. Like, is that relevance is definitely a big thing, and it's something that's definitely uh, been seen now that's hurting us. So, I mean, Pat, what's really been the issue in, with... Yeah, I think it's like a classic case of, like... Um, you know, so the Trojan family is a very 
big well-known thing right yeah. and and it's it's a very real thing like and I, and I think we've both felt it a lot more out you know being few years out of college than when we were there um but uh because they're like everyone is a trojan but when you're out and about in the world and you come across other trojans you feel that you feel that connection but um, baby yeah but also with that comes it's like that you know it's like it's like even in real life like i mean many times your your people in your family might not be the best people to be around and their friends or acquaintances that might have a better impact on your life you know what i'm saying so it's kind of like you know, for, for so long, USC has been looking within and, you know, been kind of stuck in their ways of like, we want to keep it within the family. So they've, whether it's like hiring coaches or athletic directors or staff or whatever it might be, you know, it's always, it's been for a long time, you know, people that have ties to USC, whether they went to USC, played for USC, worked at USC before, that kind of stuff. And I think now we're seeing, um, you know, we, we brought in a brand new president, uh, Carol Folt, who has no ties to USC. She's she came from North Carolina, yep. UNC. Um, and then our athletic director, Mike Bon, Bone, Bon, Mike Bon, Bon, Bon. We'll, we'll we'll hear more his name, and we'll we'll hear his name more, and we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, he's from Cincinnati. Um, no USC connection there. So I think like now the wheels are in motion to like kind of get out of the comfort zone and and really rebuild. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know where I was going with this, but I think like sometimes when you're closed-minded in a way and you don't you don't really make the best decision for like even that if that means getting outside of like right. your circle and that kind right. of stuff then shit like this happens where uh it's just mediocrity and like there isn't yeah. any there isn't any urgency there isn't right. any like like what do you call it like excellence is like not not a factor right. anymore yeah, and I think a part of it is with all the scandals that took place, it's almost like right now it's the cleanup phase where they're trying to clean up the mess that, you know, was all the scandals and they're trying to figure out how to do that. And I don't think that they want to make any moves that could be, you know, controversial. Yeah. But I think that that's not smart. I think that it's a risk that you are willing or should be willing to take when building a team or building a company or whatever it may be as well, um, you could have issues that have happened and taken place that you have to solve, but that doesn't mean that you can't take risks to move forward in the future and continue building. I think you need to be more cognizant of the risks that you are taking and making sure they're ethical, making sure they're legal, making sure that in terms of public relations, it you know bodes well with your organization's mission. But I don't think that a school like USC, especially with the football team, has been taking those risks, whether it's, you know, not firing a subpar coach. Like, you know, when you have a losing record, you know, such as last year, um, you should fire the leader of that team. Not because they're not a good guy, more so because they just weren't able to perform. Like if this was a business and you had that many losses, out of 12, you had seven losses, right? Like you yeah, are probably going to be let go or you're going to be reprimanded. There's going to be some sort of warnings. And you're on the hot seat. Yeah. But Otherwise, you you're setting the bar so that, low. Yeah, you continue to condone that behavior. Now that trickles down into other teams in your company. In this case, it trickles down into other USC athletics programs. It yeah. trickles down to the players of the team not wanting to win. Well, it trickles down to recruitment. And, and right. a company, in, you know, on the in, a, in an organization, people are not going to want to work for your company. Right. So, you know, our, our takeaway from this is USC should fire their head coach. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't think they will, but maybe they will. I mean, we'll find out. Maybe by the time this episode's released, Clay Helton, the USC football head coach, will be gone. Maybe not. Uh, what's your prediction, Pat? Uh, I think he's gone. 
I know, I know, I know. You think he stays? I think he's gone. Hundred percent. Yeah. And who are they going to replace him with? Oh, that's a tough one. Um. Oh shit, that's a tough one. I don't know. I don't know. Who do you want? I want Ed Orgeron back. Ed Orgeron, LSU football head coach, undefeated, second best team in the country right now in the rankings. Guys, we had Ed Orgeron on our coaching staff. He was the interim head coach, and we didn't hire him. And we went and hired just an awful coach. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about him. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, I think that Helton's going to stay. I think that the reason for that is going to be the head coaches that they do want are going to be not interested in this job. And so they're not going to settle for something worse than Clay Helton. Instead, they're going to continue to support him and help him build this team. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think that that's what's going to happen. I think that Carol Fult is not willing to take any risks right now. And especially somebody like Urban Meyer who carries that baggage with him. Um, I don't think that, you know, I don't think they're going to want that. So that's unfortunate. Makes sense. We'll see. Moving on. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about your dream? You had a dream? Yeah, dude. I had a dream. Okay. Um, it was crazy. It was just crazy. Um, it happened like last week. Um, I think I told you the day after it happened. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the night of. I don't remember when I told you. No. It was the day, day after. Day after, yeah. Day after. So I was sleeping, which is where you have dreams, um, usually, unless you're daydreaming. And I was sleeping, as I said. And... In my dream, I was at the gym. I was at the Equinox in Glendale, where I go to the gym. So find me there if you guys are there. Um, And I was just going about doing my thing. And I was, at that moment in time, I was doing bicep curls. Like, yeah, it was a very vivid dream. Um, And I was doing my bicep curls, put down the weights. And from the corner of my right eye, I saw Haley Bieber walking out of a room that's pretty pretty realistic yeah Haley bieber is justin bieber's wife prior to being Haley bieber she was Haley baldwin um for those that will recognize her with that name anyways Haley bieber walks by i'm like okay i've seen a few celebrities at glendale before like no biggie and i don't approach her or anything like that she's just walking by i continue doing my bicep curls second set put it down I look into the right, and there's like this main studio. There's a yoga TRX studio where they do classes. And I see Justin Bieber, Scooter Braun. Who's Justin Bieber's manager. And an overall legend. Yeah. Um, and a few other people, and they're doing like a training. I don't know what they're doing training on, but there's like a PowerPoint. I've seen those trainings, though. Like they train the staff on like things. They yeah. watch like a video. Yeah, like the training staff. Yeah. But these guys are imagine, like not trainers. Imagine. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, what are they doing? Like, I don't really know what they're doing. And I'm... I am obsessed with Scooter Braun. Like, for those that know me and Pat, I'm pretty sure we talk about him a lot, all the time. Yeah, he's a legend. So, I'm like, God, I gotta meet this guy. Like, I gotta connect. He's like a few feet apart from me. So he now, after a few minutes, he walks out of the same room that Haley Bieber walked out of. So I'm like, oh my God, like this is my shot. Like this is my shot. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I walk up to him. I stop him at his path. I say, Hey, Scooter. My name is Posh. You've never met me. You don't know me. I'm a very big fan of yours. And then you get arrested. Yeah, no, okay. no, not yet. Not yet. Not in that part of the dream yet. And I'm like, I, just nice to meet you. I want to introduce myself. He's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you, man. And I was like, oh, what brings you to Glendale? He's like, oh, we're just doing a training with, you know, Justin, a couple of the other team members. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. 
and I don't really know what the other parts of the discussion were. And I was like, hey, by the way, man, like, I know you're a very busy guy. And I mean, I had to shoot my shot. Yeah. You know, you had to shoot you your shot. You can't not shoot your shot. You can't shot. shoot your shot. So I'm like, you know, I have a podcast. It's called The Founder Hour. We interview founders of LA-based companies and people that are creators and visionaries and whatnot. Sick. And I was like, I'd love to have you guys guest on a show. We've reached out several times to your team. Your team always has an excuse to like say no. But I'm like, I had to just ask you because I'm pretty sure you don't know that we've asked you. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, when? He's like, I have some time right now. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, perfect. Let's do it right now. Keep in mind, I don't have any equipment with me. I have nothing with me. Like Pat has the equipment with him. So now I'm thinking, oh my God, Scooter Braun said, yes, I'm down. But how the fuck are we going to do this? So he's like, yo, Posh, like one thing, I don't have a car. Do you mind giving me a ride? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, hop right in, you know? <laughs> so I guess I ended up my workout, didn't shower, didn't do anything, sat in the car. I call Pat. I call Pat. I put him on speaker. I was like, yo, Pat, you're not going to believe me. I have Scooter Braun in my car. He agreed to be on the podcast. Can you, can you like come and let's do this fucking podcast? And Pat's like, I'm at the gym. Like, I'm about to finish up. But yeah, let's do it. I'm like, Pat, you need to be here now. He's like, I don't have my equipment with me. I would have to go home first. So now I'm trying to think, oh my God, Pat's going to go home. That's 15 minutes. He's going to drive to me. That's another 30 minutes. I mean, what am I going to do with Scooter Brown for 45 minutes? Like, how am I going to keep him occupied? Like, what are we going to do? So this is around like 4.45. So I'm like, fuck. Like, you know, time's like winding down. At one point, Scooter's like, I have a hard stop at 7. I'm like, okay, that's like 2 hours, 15 minutes. Like, we're good. Pat's going to take 30, 45 minutes to come. So now we have an hour and a half. So I'm like starting to freak out. We get to my garage, which is somehow set up as a podcast studio now. Um, it's not actually. It's not actually set up as a podcast <laughs> studio. But in the dream, it is set up as a podcast studio. So we get to my podcast studio. Me and Scooter are sitting down. We're making small talk. Don't really know what we're talking about. Don't remember. Um, and I'm like, fuck, man. Where's Pat? Where's Pat? So I call Pat. I'm like, yo, where are you? He's like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I'm like, perfect, dude. I'm like, and it's like 610. At this point, so we're like cutting in. Like, I don't know what happened. I'm going 90 in the freeway. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but like <laughs> you were lagging a little bit. And so now I'm like, okay, like Scooter's like, hey, when's Pat gonna come? I'm like, yeah, he's coming. He's gonna be in 10 minutes. Suddenly, I just see like people walking into my garage. Okay. I turn around, LA Reed. <laughs> LA Reed walks in. I'm like, Scooter's calling the homies. I'm like, what is LA Reed doing here? Then um, Randy Jackson walks in. I'm like, okay, like, what are L.A. Reed and Randy Jackson doing here, you know? And then, on top of it, a few minutes after, Jimmy Iovine walks in. <laughs> so, now I'm sitting in a room with music legends. Yeah. Like, I mean... All we need is Quincy Jones and we're yeah, good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Dr. I don't, did Dr. Dre come? Did I tell you Dr. Dre came? Because I don't remember Yes, you did, you yeah, did. Yeah, Dr. Dre walked with, in with, with Jimmy Iovine. With Jimmy. Yeah, he walked in with Jimmy Iovine. <laughs> so, now it's Jimmy, Dr. Dre, L.A. Reed, Randy Jackson, Scooter Braun, and me. So I'm like, okay, Pat needs to get here because I don't know what to do with these people. You know, like there's no microphones. Finally, Pat walks in. He's super excited, obviously. He meets all the guys. We sit down. We set up the microphones. Wait, I mean, did I have a reaction when I saw those people? <laughs> you know, like, you weren't very like excited. You I was. Just, oh, that's just, definitely a dream. Then. You were just ready to get on the like. You're ready to start the show because I think you were like already lagging. Damn. So you're like, let's just start this. Bro, thing. if I walked to your garage and <laughs> Jimmy, Iveen, and Dre were sitting there, I'd, I would, I wouldn't even be able to move. I'd be like, what the fuck. <laughs> I know, but you. I think yeah, and, and you didn't know about that. Like you walked in and you like, you That's were like kind of baffled. You mega pod, mega pod. Definitely, you were definitely baffled. Wait, did we do mega pod? No, it was just scooter. Oh shit! Yeah, it was just scooter. That was our live audience. That was our live audience. Yeah. <laughs> so 
we start the show. Welcome to the founder. I'm your co-host, Posh. You say co-host, Pat. And we're like, we have a very special guest on the show. The legend, longtime you know, role model of ours, Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun says, thank you for having me on the show. And then I wake up. That's it. I wake up because I didn't want to see how it unrolled. Why? Because I'm gonna get him on this fucking podcast. Oh, okay. yeah. Like I don't care. What you know what this reminds me of? You, you've, you've, have you watched like Harry Potter movies? Yeah. You know when like um, the memory thing where like he he puts his like memory into that little pot yeah, and then yeah, he goes back yeah. and then like in the in like that exciting time like it just kind of like that part of the memory is yeah. missing and yeah. it's just like yeah. he like gets out of it. I can yeah, just so, imagine that. I mean, because I don't I know most of his story. Like we've heard a lot of his stories. Yeah. But like we're gonna get him on the show to talk about topical stuff mm -hmm. so scooter and your team scooter we'll make it fun bro just yeah. let's make it happen and i took pat's advice and we're in I la literally because pat's like dude you got to email him your dream so email them yeah email oh, them nice. like that same night he hasn't responded emailed, he didn't respond i don't i think it was it was a very long email yeah the subject line was i have a dream <laughs> I, wonder, I, that, I wonder if he's gone like probably gets one of those like a day <laughs> i doubt it dude. i doubt people are seeing such vivid dreams about him being on a podcast show that they actually True. have that's pretty unique you know what i mean so it's gonna be crazy when this dream comes to life because we've been talking about it for two years now. And uh, Scooter, you gotta be on the show. Anyway, so It'll that was manifest. my dream. Pat, have you ever seen a dream like that where it's just like so real? I have for sure. I don't. I don't remember it now, but yeah, I have. So I think note to both of us and note to our audience: if those things happen, write it down. Because I'd be curious to see years down the line, like how many of those dreams come to life. Mm, like, like the correlation between yeah. I mean, dreams fascinate but, me. I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I think from what I've heard or read, um, we have dreams every night. We just don't remember, remember yeah. a lot of them. And yeah, some people sure. remember more than others. And I think it also depends on different factors, like yeah. um, how tired you are, how much you've eaten, what you've eaten. Like that kind, that kind of stuff matters. I don't know if you've ever... Like, the fuck did I eat that night? <laughs> Justin Bieber's <Shit>. album? <laughs> um, like, I, the, the, actually, I've noticed the times that I actually remember my dreams are like naps. It's also like, you know, the, your sleep cycle, like what, when you get up. Right. You know, if you're getting up like in that third cycle or whatever yeah. it might be, or REM or whatever, which, whichever one it is, you you're more prone to remember your yeah. dream than, than not. So. Yeah, crazy. Anyways, uh, what do we got next? By the way, we have some questions coming in just live. Oh, really? Yeah, hot. crazy. What's crazy what's stuff. what's something hot off the press? Um, hot off the press, we got purpose in life versus purpose in occupation. Ooh, who said that? <sighs> fan. A fan. Yeah. Her name's Lauren. Anonymous. Yeah, her name's Lauren. Not Lauren, our production coordinator. Lauren, oh. our listener. Okay, cool. Um, purpose in life versus purpose in occupation. Are we going to talk about that or should we save it for like another? No, let's talk about it. Damn, we're going deep. Okay. Let's talk about it. Um, well, do you want to start? Or you want to no, start? go for it. Uh, I guess we're talking about the distinction. I, I, I for one, I think, um, I, I don't think, I feel like, as much as you can, you should try to make those like both things in one, right? Like a purpose is something that you feel really strongly towards and you feel like you can be the person to make an impact in that thing or whatever it might be, whatever the end result is um, that you're, you're meant to do that or that's something that you would dedicate your life to doing. And, you know, that's something that every, with every waking hour, every single day you wake up, like you're going to be fired up and motivated to go yeah. after that. And, whether it's solving a problem, solving an issue, societally, locally, whatever it might be, whatever that thing is, um, I think that in many ways there are ways to, um, and I think we talk about this all the time, you know, in terms of businesses that could be good for the world and not um, not just be purely businesses, but also mm -hmm. have that 
component. Right. And I think that's possible. And and obviously there are a lot of things where it's not possible, like or it's harder to do. Not that it's not impo- not possible, but it's harder to do. Like we we talk about all the time, like the issue of homelessness, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, I think Airbnb is doing a great job of trying to make you know use like a business effort to try to right. eradicate that um, as much as possible. Um, but it's just realistically it's hard when a business is like a commerce based thing and there isn't money coming in from the other side to sustain right. the, in, the actual efforts and the people working there and that kind of stuff and that's why a lot of nonprofits mm-hmm. do it or focus on that um but uh, you know if your purpose is um what's like what's something that throw something out there like a purpose like um specifically uh in life yeah like what's an example being happy if your purpose in life is being happy then well, you could be happy with what you're doing in your job. You could. Um, well, this is something I think is interesting because something I read recently is um, like how much passion or chasing your passion has been like a theme and uh, like a trending thing for for so long, uh, especially in our generation, like millennials. But it, it, this article is basically saying like instead of chasing your passion, you should chase purpose because passion can be developed. Mm-hmm. Like you know if you're working somewhere for a long time and you enjoy the people you're working with and you start finding value in what you're doing every day and you're challenged that passion could be developed and that's something that you may not have had or known about prior to being in that situation and you just discovered this newfound passion and i think passion people have a lot of passions yeah but i think purpose is is a lot more and this is what the article was saying but i definitely agree with it purpose is a lot more like you know you, you probably don't have a billion different purposes. Like you can really hone down on something that you feel really strongly about and um, something that's really important in your life that that is that you kind of feel like is your purpose in life. Like mm-hmm. this, these are the things based on your experiences or the based on the things that you've seen, um, what's going on in the world, um, how you can take your skills and your experiences and apply it to those issues. But purpose is something that, I, I think that it's, it's more important to really go after. And you could make that an occupation right? If, if you if you got creative with it. I think that the distinction between purpose and occupation, purpose in, uh, what was the purpose in life? I think your purpose and occupation, like your purpose in having a job or at your job is being a good worker, like being a good person, right? Like going in, doing the tasks at hand, you know, helping accomplish the goals that your workplace has set for you. This is if you work for somebody. I think I misunderstood the question then. I was talking about more like, can you, can you have purpose with your occupation and in life? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, mean, like you could, like, that's definitely like, I think that answers more the purpose in life part. Yeah. Um, But I think that in occupation, and I mean, again, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I think purpose and occupation, again, like, and that's what I was saying, like, the two different parts. Like, there's one working for others and one working for yourself. If you're working for others, it's going in, doing your job, doing the right thing, you know, avoiding, you know, doing the wrong thing, asking questions, trying to get better. And that's your purpose is to improve, make money, whatever that case is, right? If you're working for yourself, I think that's where it can be a little bit more mission-driven, a little bit more purpose-driven because you want to be doing things that, you know, ideally have purpose. For a lot of people, that's not the case, though. I think a lot of people just want to do things that make money and have a good life and be able to you know be in a house and have a car and just do the basic and simple things in life Mm -hmm. and i think that that's a majority of our 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 society um and then purpose in life it's i think that's when you're really kind of elevated yourself i think that's when you can sit down with yourself have an honest conversation of the things that you 
have um, some sort of the, the things that bring you joy almost. You know, what, what are the things that make you happy, right? Is that family? Is that money? Is that happiness? Is that helping others? What is that? And again, like, I, I guess where we kind of differ is I think you can have, you can have multiple purposes. And I think you can develop multiple passions out of those purposes. I think purpose is probably like at the top of the umbrella where you can find those things. And it's different. Like you'd have a purpose in, in your family life. You can have a purpose in your work life. You can have a purpose in your friend life. Like, I think those are all different types of things that you can have purpose for. Mm-hmm. I think finding purpose is a little bit more challenging. I think it's a discussion that we had with, um, who was it that we just recently spoke to that we we're talking about Everett. Yep. So we were talking about like, you know, some people have a talent that they never know, right? Like you're playing a guitar, for example. Um, but I think that purpose comes out of just the things you enjoy. And I think a part of it that we miss a lot when you're building and you're, and you're in that stage and you're in that zone of like trying to build something is like having a good time, having fun, like taking yourself not so seriously because it's really not that serious. Like, We've talked about this before, like all these timelines and deadlines we set for ourselves or for our businesses, those are all like just arbitrary things. Like Mm -hmm. you can always move it forward or backwards or whatever. Like, sure, it's good to have deadlines and goals and et cetera. But like at the end of the day, those are just things that even like your employer, like they set for you, but they're not set in stone. Like those are things that are nice to have, but they're like not necessary, right? Maybe if it's a public company and your shareholders require it, that's a different case. But for the majority of us, that's not really the case. It's more so the things that bring you joy. So like, I'm not saying that every day is going to be a fun day when you're building a company or you're working for somebody or anything like that. But if you can find joy in those extracurricular activities or the side projects that you have, I think those are the things that eventually will help you develop your purpose, right? If you have a bunch of volunteer activities that are centered around, you know, helping others and giving back, that's your purpose. If it's centered around helping people's businesses succeed, that's your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like if it's starting a family and helping your kids become better you know, and better citizens of the world, that's a part of your purpose. So yeah, I guess, I think yeah, that's yeah for part. sure. The, like depending on what aspect of your life you're looking at, yeah. the purpose is obviously different. It's relative right. to. Right. And like when starting a business, you know, it's tough to be like, oh, there's my purpose and I'm going to go after this. And like, that's it. I mean, it's great, but it's But as much not- as you can, you know, it's, it's as, as clear as you could be on that. I think that helps a lot because then you can start developing the processes to get there once you have a little bit of a clear idea of... But I'm talking about personal purpose, not the company's purpose. Mm. Like, your personal purpose and your company's purpose doesn't have to necessarily be 100% aligned. I mean, it's a nice thing if it is. Like, if you're very passionate about, you know, clean eating and you want to, you know, also start a company that's focused on helping others eat clean and eat better or whatever it may be, great. But it doesn't necessarily have to be aligned. There's a lot of people who have started great companies who their personal mission wasn't to develop software for people and then started Microsoft, right? Like that wasn't his purpose. His purpose at the time was to build something and put it out there in the world. And that's what he did. And it became his passion. Yeah. It became his pur- And now his purpose is more so all the other things. I'm talking about Bill Gates for those that don't know. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that there's things that can differ uh, in that situation. I think that it's easier said than done. But, you know, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, maybe like, I don't know, what do you think? Maybe we can like send out an email to our audience and talk about like what they think about the difference between purpose in the workplace and or purpose in occupation, purpose in life. Yeah. And, you know, curate those responses or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. yeah we'll share it. We'll yeah. share it. But yeah, it's definitely a deep topic that, you know, we could definitely delve deeper on, you know, down the line, but um, I like definitely it. an interesting question. Anything else? Yeah. How to get funding capitals to start a new business. Mm, seems like a, 
Seems like the funding climate is pretty pretty hot right now. <laughs> Which yeah, is really every day there's money. another startup raising like a hundred million dollars at a four point two billion dollar yeah. valuation. Well here's um, here's my <clears> advice <throat> on that. Okay. Um I have a lot of things to say about this, but I won't say too much. Um I don't think that raising funding for starting a company is always necessary. Absolutely not. So I don't think that that's necessarily the route people should always turn to. I think there are ideas that require it, but there are things that you can be doing that don't require a lot of capital or any capital. I think a lot of people rely on capital to just even do things, and that's just not the right way to go about it. Like, as leanly as you can. I mean, even after post-capital, like, you should still be lean. You should still be very, like, smart with your money, and you're not just, like, blowing it because that you can easily like run out of cash for sure (laughs) for sure yeah and i think that more so i would like to talk about educating yourself about this as opposed to like that final answer because the final answer is pretty simple but some things that i've kind of personally done that you know more than happy to share what are we are we answering the question of how to get funding capital to start a new business yeah okay but i'm talking mainly now about before like the step before where is educating yourself on right. funding and venture and capital. why and 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 if if it's if, right, if it's, if it's necessary something at all yeah. yeah um some of the things that i do um well two main things i do is i subscribe to like newsletters that focus on the funding environment investments you know startups etc some of the ones that you know i subscribe to personally one of them is called pitchbook news the other one's called fortune term sheet um me and pat are also subscribed to uh, morning brew tech brew those are all in the same kind of names um there's a few other ones. There's Axios, ProRata, um, a lot of different email newsletters that talk about the funding environment, companies that are getting funded. Another thing that both Pat and I are really deeply into is VC Twitter, yep. which is basically Twitter. If you're not, if you're not in VC Twitter, like or like looking at it, you should do yourself a favor and yeah, do, do it. Yeah, I think me and Pat have been doing this like for years now, maybe like three to five years, maybe even more than that. Yeah, where we follow a lot of the thought leaders in the venture capital space and the startup space. Um, there's a lot of folks out there. It's a really tight-knit community, so it's fun. Like, once one person says something and it's interesting, then everyone chips in and then it goes viral and all of a sudden everyone's talking about it. You know what could be interesting? I just keep keep giving ourselves, like, work here to do. But maybe we, like, can put up a list, like, on our social media channels, like on Founder Hour or something on the Twitter page about some of the top VCs that we enjoy following or people that are knowledgeable about the funding scene and our listeners can kind of tune into that so if you want to go on our twitter it's at the founder hour and we like we like repost a lot of their work and yeah we'll give our thoughts sometimes as well uh but that's definitely a good place to get yourself educated on the types of businesses that are getting funded what venture capitalists and angel investors are looking for uh what other just general investors are looking for in the funding environment but yeah there's a lot of money out there uh that's just going around uh, it's a good time right now but definitely changes like depending on how the markets are doing trade is with china and that kind of stuff that all affects the fundraising climate um what would you say why would you say a company should raise money at what point should a company raise money or an idea yeah so typically um a seed fund a seed round is like your initial capital uh, and it could be something that you could get through friends and family it could be something that you can get through some sort of incubator incubation program right. an accelerator program that kind of stuff and that's really to get you going like you have an idea <clears throat> you know you've done you've done your homework you have a, maybe a, a business plan of sort uh on or off paper but you just know what it is and um you just need some initial funding to either build a platform or get you know inventory or whatever you're selling whatever you're doing build that out and then um, after that comes the whole product market fit, right? Is there is there a market for your product or service? Are people are there people willing to pay you for it? And what is that? Is it sustainable? Is it a an actual business, or is it mm-hmm. something that 
um, doesn't have legs, right? right? So once you determine product market fit, at that point, you know, it's really a decision to basically, uh, you know, um, accelerate growth from a customer acquisition standpoint. And that's mm -hmm. when you go raise like a series A. Mm -hmm. So now you can start building out a team. Um, you can start pumping money into customer acquisition and really, you know, like you de determine there's a fit for it. Right. Let's find out who this market is. Right. Let's find out maybe people or, that are similar to this market that we can target and let's go full force and take this product out there, right? That's, right. that's like the series A usually. And then like the later rounds are like more strategic raises. Like if you want to expand, um, you know, if you need money for, I don't know, infrastructure or uh, you want to expand to other countries or things like that um, typically, or just, you're just on a, I mean, you're just doing so well that you just need more money to pump into growth and that kind of stuff. But I think the, I think the main, main thing is really how big is the idea um, and is there a market for it that right. you can, you should determine that before you raise money. Like, for is sure. there a market for it? For sure. Right? If there isn't, then no money is going to help you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you're just going to waste a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and another option I think that isn't on the investment side of things is like SBA loans, mm -hmm. you know, small business administration loan. It's a risk, but yeah. yeah it's, I mean, they're all risks, but yeah. They are, but like it's more of a personal and risk. And it really depends on your idea. Like how big are you trying to make this thing? Are you trying to start a, like a local restaurant? Are you trying right. to start a local And on that note, store, like, something that investors look at is a metric that's called TAM, uh, which is the total addressable market. How big is the market you're going after, right? right. If it's a if it's a ten million dollar market or a hundred million dollar market, yeah, you're probably not going to get much interest from VCs, and for good reason. Because okay, what are we going to do? Give right. you ten million dollars, and the entire market is a hundred million. Chances are you're not going to be a hundred percent, you know, market share. Right. You're going to be. A, whatever 10 maybe 15 at like the high end right or maybe more but at some point um there isn't much of a reward there like an roi but uh they say you know a billion is kind of the sweet spot like billion plus like if the if the market is a billion plus now we're talking because right. now we could and make it growing year over year exactly yeah big big thing to growth is it declining or is it growing right. if it's at 100 million but the year before it was at 40 million it looks like it's positively right. trending. Exactly. So, um, so, so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like this money is going to allow you to grow faster um, and like much quicker um, than if you were to self-sustain. I think there's a lot of businesses that could self-sustain. And I think at sometimes, you know, if, if you're willing to write it out and you see it being a long-term thing, it's obviously great to own 100% of your company and not give it away because that's, that's what you're doing. You're diluting yourself by right. raising money. But it's really a strategic play. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta, it's case by case and you got to really look at it and be like, is this money, is the, is the benefit of having this much money um, outweigh <clears throat> the amount of equity I'm giving away? And is it right. something that I could build myself? Maybe it'll take a little bit longer, but <clears throat> there's a clear path to profitability right. um, as a self-sustaining model. Uh, and see, these are things that it, they're tough to do with um, like a, a platform where you're relying on advertising or you're right. relying on like those things are you, you just need venture capital. And I think a lot of people, however, like that are our listeners or just the general public for the most part, they're more interested in starting like small businesses or, you know, local based businesses and just kind of like make a good amount of money but nothing that they're trying to take right and i think part or, of the question um we didn't mention is yeah. how did the generation before us do it in yeah. terms of raising capital uh came, they came with nothing they used credit cards uh they had equity from houses so like 
right. liens, for sure. putting your house on lien. Yeah. Um, but so, what about now? So things are obviously different now. Yeah, they're different now. I think you can still do those things. I mean, it's definitely, it carries a higher risk. Uh, but again, for the most part, like a lot of people that I know that hit me up, oh, I have this idea, where can I get funding? Can you connect me to investors, et cetera, et cetera. You know, a lot of times investors are not interested in something like that because, like you said, they want something that's big, that has the potential to have high returns for them. Yeah, because keep in mind, what, what is a venture capital firm, right? right? It's a portfolio of investments. It's a business. It's a business. And chances are 90% of those business investments are not going to do much. Right. Like a Maybe lot, like more. 9 out of 10 startups fail, right? Yeah. So 9 out of 10 businesses that they invest in are going to fail. So yeah. they're relying on that one business to subsidize right. the rest of those investments. Right. That's, that's, that's a big bet they're making. So they're not going to be making bets on when i say small ideas ideas that are you know sub one billion dollar right. total addressable market right. right it's just like not realistic yeah and for those that are trying to do something and they don't are not necessarily seeking the venture or the angel route i think there's a few things that you can consider i think that one you could consider like a small business loan or just some mm -hmm. sort of business loan um two crowdfunding yep. there's a lot of different crowdfunding options online kickstarter um, indiegogo yeah and uh third is angel reach out no i would say re yeah mm. sort of angel i guess like they're angels too so, so yeah there are friends. people there are people that you know if you're really passionate about what you're starting right even if it's a small business right. and you can find someone out there that has some disposable money and, right. and is interested in in yeah. making investments and you can really show them that passion and they're behind it and they're willing to work with you and you know maybe the goal is we're not going to do an exit or go public like no, a massive company but which is most people, it could be like a profit share type yeah. of thing where like you know at, at the end of yeah. the year you can pay back this person it could right. be like a note their notes are very common too yeah. where a lot of people overlook that no but like let's say we have a friend that's looking to start like a great restaurant and we're like you know we really like this guy like this person really has what it takes needs a few thousand dollars like there's a lot more of those businesses than there are tech platforms and yeah. like all those kinds of things, right? And so you'd be surprised at the number of people that are in your immediate network that will be willing to help you do that. Some for just purely because they're good people and they want to, others because they want some sort of return. But I think that's where you start off. I think number one though is do something. Like do something where you put your idea into action. Like show that there's something that can work. Doesn't mean you're going to end up with that. Just start off doing something. Um, it's have, definitely have an question. have an MVP, yeah. minimum viable product that you right. can test um, without relying on money. Right. Um, and and if it's something that you know you absolutely need money to build, which is a very very difficult situation to be in, um, because a lot of people won't make big bets on just ideas alone. Yeah. Um, but try to get some sort of market data. Try to get data from potential customers. Get some yeah, get some interest. You know, get For people sure. to say yes, I will buy this. Yes, I am interested. And I know it's tedious work, and I know that kind of stuff, but it's very important. I think it's important. I think like, I think that you need to have something to show. Otherwise, yeah. it's not even about getting money. It's about getting money on your terms or mm -hmm. favorable mm -hmm. terms. Like, what are you going to give ninety percent of your company no. away for ten thousand dollars? Like, I you're think, not going to do that. I think a great example of this with somebody that we've interviewed was Dave's Hot Chicken. Um, you mm -hmm. know, like exactly. You know, that's an ex excellent example of somebody that really didn't raise any money. At Here's all. what could have happened, right? Howland Howland Rays came to LA and they blew up, and Dave's could have gone and been like oh my god this is great let's start our own but we don't have money to or whatever we don't, we don't have money to like go and expand and try to open up right. a store and that kind of stuff let's go find an investor and maybe they'll invest in the idea that hey look howlin is doing it we can compete with right. them right chances are at that point maybe they might might have gone investor yeah, off an probably idea not. probably not but for that slim chance even if they did sure, they imagine how much equity, equity they would have given away and it would have no. been like it wouldn't have worked out no. but they actually went and whatever pulled together some money and opened up a 
uh, pop up in a parking lot yeah. and spread the word right. and had lines, just lines on lines. And over time, over two years, three years, yep. they were able to get a location, get a second location, and then now they're franchising. And it's no surprise that it's the second best episode on our show. Mm-hmm. So it's a great story. It is a great story. I mean, Shout literally, out to Dave's like, Hot Chicken. Just somebody that was not even in the industry that just wanted to do it, went out there, did it. And now they're opening their fourth store. They franchised 100 plus stores already. So it's yeah. pretty crazy. Um, okay, let's finish this thing off strong. Are we getting, are we getting are we deep now? What are we discussing? So uh, one of our guests and friends, Ashley Merrill, uh, recently launched. Um, uh, is it just an Instagram account? It's an Instagram account. It's an email newsletter. Email newsletter website. with, I think her husband, right? Is it with her husband or is no, it just, I think it's just her? Okay. Um, so she launched something called the deep, the deep dot life. Yeah. The deep dot life on Instagram, but I think she calls it the deep yep. and it's pretty much like deep questions that I'm sure she, or maybe it's even like crowd crowdsource questions really sure. that, um, just deep questions that create, you know, it's thought provoking and just creates conversation and it's interesting. Very so interesting. we've been following it. And, and so this is, this is, I guess, inspired by that. Yep. Um, but a question, I guess we wanted to ask, or we were curious about and discussing ourselves, our, <laughs> ourselves and what you guys think, um, is what is the biggest waste of human potential? Fuck. That's a big one. It's a big one. It's deep. It's, I don't even know the answer. I, I don't yeah. even have an answer, but uh, I guess we can start. You want to you wanna kick it off? Sure. So what is the biggest waste of human potential? So where my thought goes to, or where my mind goes to here is the differences between humans and other living things. So that's where I want to start off. So I think that, you know, human beings have the ability to communicate using a certain language or languages. Um, you know, we have the ability to talk, listen, comprehend, have emotions, have feelings. There's a lot of other, you know, animals that do as well. I think probably apes are the closest thing to us, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they have their own languages, but I think that we have the ability to create networks, right? We have the ability to build things physically and, you know, mentally and spiritually or whatever. Um, so my thought kind of goes, my mind is going in that direction of like, what are the things that differentiate us as human beings and help? And I guess that helps me in the process of trying to figure out what our biggest waste of human potential is. Um, I think our biggest waste of human potential, at least from my experience, is our ability to put aside ego and create together. You know what I mean? Um, so again, this is all subjective. Yeah, and this is not. I'm not generalizing that there aren't people that do this. I'm just kind of. It's kind of similar to something I was yeah. thinking, but yeah. So go on. I think that ego obviously is something that everyone has. Some people have a bad ego. Some people have a healthy ego, etc. I think everybody has a little bit of ego, some more than uh -huh. others. Um, and I think what that does is it doesn't allow you to really co-create with others. Um, and again, I'm trying to keep it more in the entrepreneurial business sense because that's what I'm passionate about. Um, so I think that that is one of the biggest ways of human potential is our ability to not communicate better with one another, put our egos aside and build things together. Because I think that everybody has unique experiences. They have unique backgrounds. They have unique visions. Yeah. They have unique dreams. And combined, there's a lot more that we can do combining those things together and combining those talents and those skill sets and communicating better and building something. I think that obviously applies to relationships and other friendships as well. Yeah. But I think that at the core of it, 
I think that's the biggest waste of human potential. I think that we could go much farther as a society in all aspects of life, politics, business, media, food, whatever it is. I think we go a lot farther if Uh we actually combine our knowledge and I love that. I, and I, it's interesting because you tie it to ego and I think that's re- that's really good. And I would even add on to that. My, what I was thinking was more so the create, you know, creating side of things too, because I think humans are creative, you know, um, animals. Yeah. Like we're creative beings and we, uh, we have that ability to do that. And everybody has that side of their brain that they can use. And, I, you know, I don't really... You know, there's people that say like, oh, I'm just not creative. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you can be. You just have to tap yeah. into that side of you, right? You have to be inspired by something. And and I think um, I think I would what I would say is 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 the biggest waste is um, kind of the system that we've created as a society where from a young age, whether it's the school system or just like family life or outside of school or whatever it might be, um, not, I guess not giving or allowing people to find that inspiration and self-confidence in themselves to be more creative because yeah. I think it's a waste when, and, 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 I, and I know it's harsh, but I think it's a waste when a human being is in a position where they can't be creative, where they're, yeah. they're in a job or in a position or something where it's super just like, I don't know, like mundane and just cookie like cutter. cookie cutter bullshit where I think that, um, if, if, if everyone, if like, and that's kind of where this whole like robots and humans conversation comes in. And, and yeah. I, you know, I definitely agree with the Peter Thiel. I mean, I guess in his case, it was, um, considered, uh, um, a contrarian point of view, but mm-hmm. now it's becoming a little bit more normal, um, is how humans could operate alongside, you know, AI right. and robots as opposed right. to this whole robot revolution that they're going to take over and they're going right. to, you know, and I think, you know, these, these, these jobs and these, these types of um, activities that are mundane and are not supposed to be the human time and human brains shouldn't be spent on um, is going to be, become more automated and, and easy you know, and a complementary to mm-hmm. human beings. So human right. beings can be and do what they were always meant to do, which is be creative. Right. And I think that creativity is going to help solve, you know, big world issues. I think it's going to help us as a society to become better and better. It's going to, we're going to create new ideas. Like everyone, everyone to a certain extent has the ability to do that, you know, and, and some yeah. could be like on a global level, some can be on a local level, but if everybody had the ability to kind of along, like what you were saying, um, collaborate together with that creativity. So right. it's not, we're not all individuals right. and in our own lives being creative, but, collaborating as a society and bringing all that creativity together mm-hmm. um that is really what's going to spark you know what the, the the better future that we all want to live in yeah i was it's funny because i was having a conversation regarding what we just both said with my girlfriend the other day about technology more so in general and you know our connection with technology like as human beings i think that we have wasted our time being connected in the wrong ways right like caring about the useless things and the meaningless things i think the ne- so be more specific though because I, yeah. I think it's a bypro- I, will, I, I think it's a specific. byproduct of of putting something out there and seeing what it yeah creates. i will be more specific yeah. i think that that was 2010 to 2019 so this last decade it was more so about the quantity of content mm-hmm. just putting out everything like just letting letting it go and seeing what works seeing what doesn't work i think what needs to happen in 2020 is that we need to leverage technology to have meaning, meaningful discussions and meaningful collaboration, right? When you go on Instagram for three to four to five hours a day, what are you doing? Like, I mean, like, what is it that you're getting out of that? 
when people say that we have mental health issues because we're seeing all these people do other things, it's because you're engaging in meaningless shit. What's What's interesting though is that platforms like Instagram and Twitter, you choose who you follow, right? But that you choose to follow the things that are entertaining and meaningless to you usually. But that's but that's 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 individual. That's Correct. Pers- that's an individual I know. decision. But I think what's going to happen, and I think what I think there's going to be an opportunity for a bunch of companies to come in and do this, is they're going to start. And I think the deep life is one of them that is I think probably on that path, um, where you create meaning meaningful engagement, mm-hmm. right? Like even as a brand, as a company, like. If you're leveraging these platforms, how do you create a meaningful interaction with your consumer, with your customer? Putting out meaningless videos are fucking useless to you as a brand and to the consumer that you're serving. It's What's so even worse useless. is that that's considered a metric like of success. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, we put out X amount of videos today. Great. Or, like, or we got X amount of views or like likes or whatever. What did that do for you? Yeah. Did that convert into anything? No. Yeah. Like if that converted to more likes, okay, fantastic. Like what does that mean? If that converts into yeah. meaningful engagement and meaningful conversions and meaningful transactions, and I get and I get what fun. Gary Vee means by like just put out like something he preaches a lot is just like to art like musicians musicians for yeah. example it'd be like just put out a song every week like pump, pump out songs music 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 music. I I agree, but I also disagree. I disagree. Like, I I I get it. He's talking about like the 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 competition of of eyeballs and like how much content there is you want to stand out right. but then if it look if you can do that while also maintaining quality great but well, if you can't if you're if you're diminishing quality and you're just putting out content to put out content then i think that you shouldn't do that yeah i don't think that's the right way because i think that creativity and true creativity takes time right like to build something meaningful to have a meaningful discussion to have a meaningful product to have a meaningful business, to have a meaningful relationship, those things take time to nurture. I mean, like you can't battle time. At the end of the day, like our generation in the last decade, at least, we've seen a lot of things that have been sped up to fight time, mm-hmm. right? Like that's why we have an obesity problem because there's fast food. That's why we have a waste problem because there's a bunch of shit out there that you're just constantly consuming. I think that the next generation, the 2020 to 2029, I think what is going to happen and what needs to happen is we need to put quality ahead of quantity because I think that it's going to pay off to the com- it's going to pay off for brands and companies and it's going to pay off for the well-being of consumers. I really believe that wholeheartedly because when I engage like I think I've seen myself in the last like few months like stop engaging as much on Instagram because I'm like there's nothing meaningful coming out of here. Like I've spent more time on LinkedIn and Twitter because I'm like okay there's more meaningful things that I'm like engaging and, and taking away from here. That's just a personal thing that I did. Again, it comes down to what you said is individual individual choice, but I think it's going to take people to discuss these individual choices for then the masses to actually change their consumer behavior. And I think that Instagram is trying that with removing likes or, or, likes or whatever the fact. It's kind of like before but, social media, you know, if you looked at somebody and maybe they were, I don't know, on the, on the wrong path or on the wrong track or they just, you know, um, weren't doing well, um, you would maybe look at their circle of friends and you'd be like, oh, who are you, who, who are you hanging out with? You know, it's like, what kind of right. people are you hanging out with? kind of similar it's like what kind of accounts are you following you know like that's the type of mindset like it's gonna it's gonna influence you whether you like it or not it you know but just the exposure to those things you're gonna have it's gonna shape the way you think it's gonna shape the the your outlook on life you're gonna outlook on relationships outlook on everything so so uh, it it really does matter and, and and it's very similar in that sense where you know it's it really is an effort on the individual to want to make that change or want to do that or use social media yeah. in that way. And we're not saying like put out less things, but I think what we're trying to say is if you're going to put out thousand posts in a year, 
that's fine. Don't change the number of posts. Put more thought into those damn. Yeah, posts. like spend some time on it. Yeah, you know, spend a little <laughs> bit more time being cognizant of the effect that that's having on the person who's viewing it, not just the surface level, right? One thing I read recently, uh, it was actually a couple of days ago. It was on Twitter. Um, it was interesting. I found it interesting. It said Picasso created more than fifty thousand works of art. How many are considered masterpieces that we still admire today? About a hundred. Less than one percent of his creations are still relevant. Stop trying to be perfect. It's a numbers game. Start creating. Be courageous enough to share. And I think that kind of ties into what we're seeing right now, plus just entrepreneurship in general. It's like and creativity in general. It's there is no right art. There is no right creation. There's no wrong creation. There's no wrong art. It's really how people are going to perceive it. But I think that you know, taking this this statement plus taking all the things that we've discussed, it's be more purposeful, right? Like we had this discussion like 15, 20 minutes ago on the sh- on the show right now. Like, don't just do it without thought and without purpose. Like, yeah. put something into it. Like, I don't think good art and good creations were random. Like, there was some sort of thought. No, no good movie was just like, here you fucking go. Here's some pieces of you know film that we shot. No, there's like strategy. There's like thought processes. There's logical things that follow. You have to do that. Like, those are the people that are going to win at the end of the day. They might not be winning right now. Like, we might not be seeing those people. But those are the people that are putting in the work right now, being thoughtful, being, you know, being, um, you know, persistent with that to put out a great product that may not work. But if they continuously keep doing that, something's going to hit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, like, you know, again, this is a byproduct of just having the ability to publish content at will and like everyone having that ability yeah. which is awesome yeah. obviously it's great like it's a great I would, there's a much better world than a world where you know uh, the content is controlled by right. major you know organizations that may, might not have your, you as their, in their best interest right now you have the ability to have a voice you can broadcast it whether it's through podcast whether it's through tweet twitter like whatever it might be youtube um but i think i think we talk about this too is is the future of this is going to be with naturally you're going to have a lot of content out there a lot of noise and there's going to be people that just put put out content just to put out content they might be ripping other people's content and trying to make it their own and that kind of stuff too but it's really going to come down to curation and and that kind of stuff and it's mm-hmm. going to happen naturally but also the, the the hope is that these um platforms allow their users to curate and and discover quote unquote like good quality content for sure you know for sure so speaking of content give us a follow on instagram twitter yeah linkedin facebook join our email newsletter subscribe us subscribe to us rate us review us love us continue listening to <laughs> please us, love us and share it with your friends man like i think that you know i think a lot of people enjoy these after hours so maybe we'll do some more after hours uh, if you're still listening insight. at this point shout out to you <laughs> i love you yeah if you're listening until this point Send us a DM that you got until this point on yeah. Twitter, uh, on Instagram. Send us a DM at the. What, what should they say, say? So they say, huh? Tell us the number of pieces of art Picasso created, which was fifty thousand, approximately, whatever, based on the statement. So send us that number, fifty thousand. Just say fifty thousand, and we'll know that you listened all the way till the end. And we'll never forget you. And we'll never love you forever. You. Yeah. We'll give you a shout out even. We'll even say shout out to at your name for getting through the entire episode. Love it. All right. Well, I guess we're done. Yeah. With the after hours. 
Yep. Catch us next week with a brand new episode. And be safe. Have a great week. Love you all. Peace. Peace.